He used to call it two, the three P's. Play, possession, and position. Football, the people say, what do you do? What are you doing to play? Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Tactical Stand. I am your host, Ayush Roy. What we do on this podcast essentially is tactically analyze the big games which have taken place in the last week. However, something big happened on Sunday night and we're recording on Monday. So it's literally 24, about 24 hours since we had this big news. And I felt that this podcast episode should be dedicated to that and not other games. Because, and let's be very frank, the fact of having more games is a big question mark due to this. So for those who are not, well, for those who have been living under a rock for the last few weeks, um, there's always been a big talk about this league called the European Super League, which um, there have been hush, hush, hush whispers going around for the last couple of months. And yesterday, around 10.30 p.m., um, in, in the UK, where I am currently staying, um, there were announcements that they have agreed to start this as soon as next summer, next season. That's what the plan is. And to tell you a bit more about it, as I said, if you are living under a rock, um, the European Super League is a league which is going to be run by 12 clubs. Um, the teams are, of course, the big six in the Premier League. That's Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham. Uh, three teams in Italy, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus. Three teams in Spain as well. Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. Let me tell you, the top teams in Germany and in France have refused to join the European Super League. But basically, I'm just reading out an article from the BBC which talks about this league and gives it all the information. It is said that the founding clubs, which I just mentioned, had agreed to establish a new midweek competition with teams continuing to compete in their respective national leagues. Um, the inaugural season was intended to commence as soon as practicable, and it anticipates that a further three clubs, apart from the clubs which I mentioned, would join the breakaway. Even as a matter of fact, the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has condemned the move as soon as it broke up or even before it was actually announced. Now, for those who've been listening to this podcast, I have my two regular residents on, Bhargav Gopal and Hari. And I am a Manchester United fan. Bhargav is a Manchester City fan. And Hari is a Chelsea fan. We are three fans from India who have grown up watching our teams play football. And all three teams are three teams who are taking place in the European Super League. Manchester United, of course, apparently are one of the founders of the league alongside Real Madrid, whose president, Florentino Perez, is said to be the chairman of the Super League. And Joel Glazer, one of the United owners from the Glazer family, is said to be one of the vice chairmen, including Stan Kroenke from Arsenal and Agnelli from Juventus. I'm going to start with you two gentlemen, my regular residents on the show again. Um, 
what are your thoughts towards this? Because let me give you my brief one before we get into details. I think the only word I can use is disgusted. I am disgusted by this decision. Um, it completely underplays what football is about, what we have enjoyed as fans in the last 10 years. Look, you could say some teams have won more than others, but at the end of the day, we've all won stuff. Whether for City, of course, it's the Premier League most recently. But, you know, you even enjoy the small things as well. The Carabao Cups, you know, you enjoy the Community Shield win when it comes. And this all <clears throat> underplays whatever our clubs have achieved, whether it's recent success, earlier success, before you even born, you still celebrate that. I don't remember watching United win the treble in 1989. I was two years old. And yet, I still enjoy the fact that my team has. And this idea of greed and making this club, uh, oh, sorry, this beg your pardon, this league, completely underplays all that. Uh, I said I was going to make it brief, but as you can see, there's a lot of frustration inside me. Bhargav, are you on the same lines or is it something different? I mean, first things first, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to get your head around the entire you know, concept coming into fruition, isn't it? Because as far as I can recall, the very first foundations of you know, this tournament were probably, you know, uh, thought about by Arsene Wenger when he was managing Arsenal back in 2009. He said essentially that someday uh, the Champions League is not going to be enough and it's not going to produce enough money for all these big clubs. And so, uh, you know, the anticipation of a breakaway tournament and league was something that came about roughly a decade back. And for the last five years, all of these major superpowers, as they are termed in Europe, have been using uh, the concept of a, a super league as leverage to, you know, metamorphosize reforms in the central tournament, that is the UEFA Champions League, whether that's coefficient-based systems to get, you know, group stage seeding draws, whether that is revenues based on, you know, uh, central TV payments and, uh, you know, prize money uh, and, uh, you know, attendances, all that sort of stuff, which has, you know, boiled over and boiled over, but nobody really thought it's going to come into execution. And yesterday, in amidst a global pandemic where football has already been affected by one, you know, one major detrimental factor that humankind is facing, the timing of it, isn't it? The sheer timing of it is it's absolutely astounding. I mean, you you never have imagined that business executives that are you know running these football clubs would want to uh, you know, detach from, you know, from the fraternity, however, you know, flawed it may be. I mean, let's not forget UEFA and FIFA are no saints either. They have been corrupt bodies. They have been, you know, uh, vested with self-interest in the past. And so do they in the present. But never did I think that it is going to detach itself so much that 16 clubs would want to control, uh, you know, conceptualize and form a tournament which should not be shared with the rest of them from a competitive standpoint. So it's it's still something that, you know, I've been caught up in two minds. Uh, you know, one, because uh, as you all obviously know that, you know, I have a keen interest in sports marketing and I've, I've had this, you know, uh, you know, interest for some time now, the opportunity to work with, uh, with, with a few uh, organizations as well. And then on the other hand, there is a football fan as well. And these are two different thoughts, you know, from two different perspectives. But for the moment, as an initial thought, I'm, I'm simply baffled. And it's going to take some time to come to grips with it at the end of it all. 
I used the word disgusted and Bhargav has used the word baffled. Hari, what is your, is your one word? Uh, uh, see, there is no, I can, there are so many words that I can't pick one word actually at this moment. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, actually Bhargav said that he was baffled by the timing. But actually there couldn't have been a better timing for these people because they want the money. It's very clear. They don't care about the fans. Because if they had, then they wouldn't have even thought about this. And one of the major reasons why these German clubs have rejected this proposal is because of the uh, fans' ownership there as well. So now coming back to uh, the current scenario, well, uh, the the uh, major problems that I have with this is uh, I'm, I'm being a Chelsea fan. If the same competition would have been there, uh, that it would have been. Uh, proposed around 20 years back. Chelsea wouldn't have been a part of this. I'm pretty sure City also wouldn't have been a part of this. So, it's basically the self-entitlement that hurts me. So, who gave them the right to believe that, you know, they are the superpowers? And let's be very honest. This one just won Champions League. He's won nothing. Tottenham has won nothing. Arsenal has also won nothing. So, you know, the whole point is that uh, they feel that even United these days aren't playing the Champions League. So, uh, I'm surprised that, uh, you know, what gave them this feeling that, you know, they are one among the top. That's what I want to know. And see, even Real Madrid for that matter, uh, they may have won 13 Champions League, no doubt about it. But uh, what makes it even more surprising for me is... Uh, they were all not there in the frame for around 20-25 years in the 1970s and 80s. So, every uh, club goes through a dark patch and it's not uh, fair that, you know, the ones who are uh, trying to fight it up and uh, compete up the very best aren't given a chance to do so. Let's take an example. So, Arsenal haven't been performing well in the Premier League for last 3-4 years. So, even if they disappoint in the Premier League and even get finished the 20th spot, just giving an example, they'll still be a part of the Super League. And so, basically, the motivation of uh, competition is lost. And uh, I also feel that uh, uh, with uh, this uh, with this thing, uh, the fans also are detached from the game because now uh, uh, it's very clear that the clubs have prioritize the money instead of the fans. And now you can, as Bargov said, that's a clear detachment from the fans. And, but at the same time, if you see the other side, uh, the locals definitely uh, will have that feeling. But as fans uh, globally who follow the game, uh, they'll, I'm pretty sure that they know that their club is making a mistake. But still, they'll end up watching all the matches in the European Super League. Basically, effectively playing the role of Kumbhakaran in Ramayan, <laughs> where they he followed Ravan despite knowing that you know he was on the wrong side. And I think that kind of leads us to the conversation, which would help us in this podcast. Because let's be very frank: you talk about uh, local fans, and I have had the privilege. I came to do my masters in London, and now I'm working in London. Um, and so I've been here for the last two and a half, three years, and so I have met. A lot of fans and friends who uh, go to games. I have a, 
a City fan who's a, a, a you know he's a tic- he's a season ticket holder. A couple of Arsenal fans who are season ticket holders because my my university was very close to, the, to Emirates Stadium, um, and of course you get their point of view and they're absolutely fuming as they would because you get that from this announcement you get that sense of detachment and that in a way the owners don't care about you. I mean, uh, it's 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 very abundantly seen in that sort of a way. Um, but Hari, you're completely right, you know, as and we are three fans who have who've already who's used to basically watching our teams play on the television because there's no way we can go to a ground and watch it. There's no way any of these teams will be coming to India even in the near future as well. So we have supported these teams from afar for a very long time, and it's essentially by putting the TV on and watching them. Basically, there's no other way to go about that situation from a different country. And a lot of these international fans would, in a way, readily accept the the Super League because who doesn't want to see their team play the big teams on a regular basis, especially when you're watching it on the TV all the time? Who we watch, we stay up late till 1:30 to watch Manchester United in the Europa League. You know, to watch United go to. Um, Poland or you know Azerbaijan to watch a to watch a football game. Why wouldn't a fan stay up till one thirty to watch Manchester United versus Real Madrid? You know Manchester United versus uh, Juventus. Why wouldn't we? We you you'd say that we definitely appreciate that and want to watch it. Um, but in a way, this announcement, and I think I've just heard from both of you gentlemen who gave different reasons to why you don't agree with it. You know, Bhargav, you came up with the pandemic and the timing. And Hari obviously came up with the the clubs and why they think that they're global. You know, you give different reasons to explain how stupid and weird and disgusting this decision is. And yet, even though it might seem a good thing for global fans, even we being global fans understand how wrong it is, you know, how stupid and how terrible it is. Bargav, do you see where I'm coming from with this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the you know the, the sport of football, uh, you know, from from a purely purist view, uh, if you want to look at it that way, uh, it was created by the poor, wasn't it? I mean, there was it was it's purely out of enjoyment, for recreation, uh, building a sense of team bonding. Uh, you can trace it as far as back to the Roman Empire, if I'm not mistaken, when you know people first started playing something remotely close uh, to football as we know it today. And then obviously it's been 150 years since professional football has taken the form of a pyramid system of you know the formation of people usually belonging to religious groups, you know, social groups stuck during war times, and then they came together in different circumstances across many parts of the world, and they formed something that today we call as, you know, football clubs, right? I mean, uh, Manchester United and Manchester City, for example, did not have the names that that they're known by today, right? I mean, St. Mark's and St. Ardwick were, were the names, essentially, back then. So speaking about, you know, 1890s, uh, from the time where fans first started to make this sport, this, this, you know, uh, the, the creation of an atmosphere, uh, you know, the players wanting to play for the fans, having a special emotional connection, having a special attachment. And that's what's been driving that superpower 
uh, you know, year after year, decade after decade, and now, you know, uh, in 2021, it's obviously at an all-time high. And when you look back at the history of football, 150 years, professional football, it's definitely come a, you know, it's come a long way. Now, is it going in the right direction? I mean, people might, you know, I mean, fans, of course, they, they are almost all on the same side. They just don't want to see this go through. They just want, don't want to see this happen. In fact, they're hoping that before it's, uh, you know, rumored start in August, they utilize this summer, which is essentially for a player's transfer window, the transfer market to, you know, let the administrators decide, you know, among, among themselves, what really is the future of, you know, European football and essentially impacting even world football. So that way the fans are definitely, you know, right to be, disgusted with the decision because even in today's business i mean people say that you know business models are what impact uh you know football clubs they're no longer just you know played out of passion and played out of admiration so to run a you know successful football club as well you need proper management you know financially human resources operations and whatnot so you look at all the revenue sources driving you know these these clubs merchandising fans broadcasting fans uh, match day ticket holders, fans, occasional ticket holders, fans again. So everywhere, you just can't discount supporters out of this equation at all. And when you, when when you're you know facing that big and that enormous uh, uh, public backlash from not just one community, not just you know one club, but across you know all of these sixteen clubs plus more, it's. It's, you know, it's like I said at the start, it's difficult to put your head around it. And uh, apparently, according to some sources, these executives were very well aware that, you know, such a public, uh, you know, backlash is going to be going to be received. It's going to happen. But they still decided to go through. So probably what they think in their minds is that this next 10 years of the ESL, the European Super League, is the future of football. And UEFA so far are showing no signs of backing down. So... Essentially, it's going to come to a tussle between all of these organizations and whichever one is the most powerful, legally speaking, will eventually run out winners of this nuclear war. It's it's quite frustrating because, you know, Bhagav, while you were talking there, I was just going to Twitter because, I mean, with Twitter, you get new information every single, well, every five minutes, you could say you get something new and... Um, it's weird because I'll tell you this, and this is a personal thing which I noticed yesterday, because while all the controversy was going on throughout the day, we still had football matches. And uh, Manchester United played Burnley last night, um, which was a couple of hours before the announcement was made. And manager Ole Gunnar was asked about the European Super League and that there, there, were, there was a rumor which has been confirmed, obviously, that United are one of the founding members, the Glazers is. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was asked about it after the game, as was expected, you know. The presenter was trying to coax something out of him, which he just didn't know anything about it. Or even if he did, he could not see anything because he's in a situation where if he says something or if he says maybe what he truly believes, he won't have a job the next day. And it's nothing to do with he's doing something wrong managerially. It's just because you cannot speak out of line against your owners and the people who pay you your money and it's it's a sad situation where there's a genuine belief and there's an article about it which says that there's a genuine belief that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer 
was thrown on the, under the bus when he was facing the press. And you think about, we're recording this before Liverpool play Leeds tonight. And Jurgen Klopp is going to be doing pre-match interviews, post-match interviews, a post-match press conference. And you feel bad for him because it's not something that has come through him. He hasn't planned this. He has now just been told, like all the other managers and all the other players, that, oh, there's a tournament we are preparing, we're founded, you'll have to take part in it. If you don't, your contract's gone on the spot. You know what I mean? And as I said, I think that's another point to the point you gentlemen have brought up, which just makes this thing so weird and so stupid. Hari, is there anything else you can add to this weird conversation being a global fan? Yeah, actually, see, uh, the biggest uh, loss, in my opinion, would be this, you see. Uh, the Champions, uh, UFI and FIFA have, uh, at least from the news that we have read, they have clearly specified that uh, the players could end up being banned. That is, the players, those who participate in this Super League, yeah. can be banned from not only the UFI competitions, not only the Premier League, that is the league which they represent, but also from the nation. So, it would come down to uh, the player choosing this European Super League over his country. Now, that is something which uh, I can never even imagine. Because just imagine, uh, people play, uh, that is, dream of playing for their country, representing the nation at the World Cup and, you know, even winning it. And now, we'll be in a situation where these players would rather uh, wish to play the Super League. Obviously, we know the reasons. Now, if that if football is coming to that situation, then I'm not sure that uh, the future of football is in safe hands. Definitely, definitely. Um, Bhargav, we're going to put this out to you because one thing, of course, as we do know, is we've been seeing a lot of pictures throughout the day about fans in front of their home grounds, taking pictures with you know banners saying that you've ruined the game. Uh, I think I've seen pictures in front of Emirates Stadium, Arsenal's ground, uh, the Anfield, Liverpool Stadium, Old Trafford, United Stadium, Etihad, City's ground. You know, I've essentially seen in nearly every single ground in front of that. But again, I'm coming back to the fact that we are three fans who have grown up watching it on the television. Um, and we are fans who, um, who don't like the idea. Let's be very frank. And we've, we've, pro- we've shown it in the last whatever number of minutes we've been talking. We've been discussing the many reasons as to why it's wrong. Let's be very frank. What can and what do you think, Bhargav, a global fan can do in this situation to try and show that this is wrong. I know there's a, I can put out a tweet, you know, and, and say that, which might not make a difference. But in what ways can a global fan show the disapproval and actually make a point? What do you think? It's uh, interesting that you bring this question up because, you know, I was just going to say that I'm reminded of uh, not the exact same situation, but very similar in you know our country's football landscape uh, because the ISL was essentially, you know, a competition that wanted to become the front runner yes. in Indian football, right? And it's it's something that dials back to you, even though it's not you know at that magnitude. You have the I League and the ISL still in the current you know cu- current year uh, running parallelly, and now you know with with the organizing body taking those steps, there is a proper roadmap. There is there is a vision to collaborate it together, and by 2025 they want to you know see uh, pro- progress being you know made into merging them towards one league which is hopefully what happens because 
no one wants to see you know two competitions uh, you know held uh, parallel to each other and two champions being declared at the end of that because i mean forget being football fans for a moment sport in essence right why was it formed in the first place i know it's you know it's tinkering on the borders of philosophy and psychology and you know behavior, consumer behavior a little bit but you want to see sport being played out so that at the end of it all there is one champion right who has you know crossed all these hurdles uh, faced all these uh, objectives as a team as a solid uh, as a solidarity unit and they have triumphed to lift that prestigious trophy and i'm seeing every year there, there's an i league winner and then there's an isl winner right and essentially you know that's what going to happen just so there are 20 english clubs which are designated originally to play the premier league so now we are going to have six premier league clubs being you know playing in the esl of which probably one would go on to lift the trophy so you have one esl winner and then one you have a one premier league winner and then you're saying like who is the best club in england so that conversation is going to come up very often not just in this country but in every country that you know the the but, esl uh, is going to go towards but then that happens in the champions league as well right so i don't think that is a, a, you know a place where you can compare it does i mean i mean like i said at the start of it it's not a direct comparison but you you had feelers and you know uh, an idea of what a breakaway tournament can be like and you know essentially you want them ideal in an ideal environment to all be merged playing together retaining the system as it is but you have you know seen that you know there, there are competitions that are run parallelly but back to you know what you did ask in the first place i think as a global fan there's there's a decision point because the locals are absolutely frustrated some of them are disowning their clubs out of hatred which is not something that you see in sports fandom so often do you i mean there's very few reasons why you might want to stop supporting the club that you so dearly love and obviously we have all been uh, close to a decade long fan of you know our respective clubs you know watching the game from afar and one day dreaming to go to old trafford to stamford bridge to the etihad stadium watching our team play and now with you know these two factors the pandemic on one hand and the greed that has been driven by all of these clubs i think it's it's very difficult and it's it's a decision point for any fan to decide whether they want to continue watching the team that they love for the football that they play or for their involvement behind the scenes on geopolitical connotations and you know business connotations and financial uh, you know overpowering and stuff like that so essentially i think it it, it does come down to that for the international fans because we are the ones that are going to be driving every movement and every engagement that each of these 16 esl clubs want to do let's let's not make any mistake about it if you don't have fans right even more so now when there are no uh, you know ticketing and uh, match day uh, income you are depending on online engagement through social media through you know any kind of content that you create through jerseys official jerseys official jerseys that are being sold and you depend on them so if you don't have their support to enter into some venture it's going to be incredibly tricky to deal with and you look at all these teams i think as bottom line i just i just want to conclude by saying that all of you know these teams that have joined of them the driving forces that have been rumored in the media they have they have been improperly managed in the last few years because they are the ones with the most debt barcelona 1 billion dollars Real Madrid, close to eight hundred million dollars. Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, right? 
you name them i mean all these top clubs are debt ridden and their revenues are you know at, at a stable and which they want to increase and we're hearing of a 3 billion dollar payout by the way which is you know to uh, enhance their covid time infrastructure development and all sorts of you know operational rejuvenation so it's is it is greed driving it and is it really the beginning of end of the sport as we know it it's a joke it's a complete joke let's put it like that anyway that's all um the time we have for today thank you so much hari and bhargav uh, for joining me on a on a discussion which we didn't have to make but i thought that it was very important and i think you two also joined me in thinking about that i think that it's it's something which uh, we don't want to see uh, I, all three of us together are really really worried about the future of football a game that we love a game that has been a big reason for us being passionate about not only football but other things just knowing that there is football around us and um yeah it's it's depressing times guys it's very very depressing uh we're not going to do as i mentioned at the top of the show we're not going to do any uh reviews and let's be very honest who knows what games are going to take place i think the last thing i heard was the uefa are going to hold a meeting at some time this week to discuss whether manchester city and chelsea the two clubs hari and bhargav support will play in the uh, champions league semi final of course real madrid is the other club in conversation manchester united my club are supposed to play a semi final in the europa league that also could not happen if the meeting and if the conclusion of the meeting is that these games will not take place and it's sad because we're all very passionate about a semi final match as you're supposed to be as a fan and the fact that there's a huge possibility that it's not going to happen because of a stupid decision for them to run their own club own league made by their owners who don't care about the fans who don't care about the club club's history the club's tradition they just don't care about it. the only thing they care about is making more money using the thing that they own um but you know i just let me let me just say you know at, at the at the end of it that you know of all the tactical analysis that we have done so far in our episodes this one today by far is probably the toughest <laughs> that we can you know <laughs> try to get into because of the sheer complexity of the nature and you know structure that we are dealing with so even if you want to tactically analyze this entire situation it's going to take a lot of research a lot of back end analysis and to come up with a rationale for you know why all of this is happening like it, it, yeah. and let's not forget that uh, at the same time when uh, means just imagine that a group of clubs join together and are trying are thinking of running their own league i mean let's be very honest they aren't even you know managing their own clubs properly then how are they even going to manage a league that's a big joke in itself as i said i think i mentioned it as well it's just a complete joke and it's 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 really hard to believe that we're here in that situation talking about it you can't imagine that um i'll i'll shut out my socials right now we are on facebook twitter and instagram all you have to do is search for the tactical stand we are three indian fans talking about the european super league i don't know what we're going to do next week guys it could be very well talking about the new developments of the European Super League instead of tactically analyzing but we definitely will be there at the same time next week uh, so thank you so much for listening in and hopefully you continue to do so uh, see you next week